something that it's not the way you would normally think of a military strategy to work out. But if you would, you can turn in your Bibles to the book of 2 Chronicles. <coughs> Excuse me. 2 Chronicles chapter 20. And we're going to start down, if you would, in verse 10. Second Chronicles chapter 20, and we're going to start in verse 10 this morning. We don't usually go to Chronicles too much. Sometimes Chronicles is just a listing of uh, genealogies, especially First Chronicles. So I think it's really interesting sometimes when we hit a, a really interesting word from the Lord here. Let's look together, 2 Chronicles chapter 20, beginning verse 10. And the Word of God says this, And now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade, when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Have you ever felt like you didn't know what to do? Is that a daily thing for some of us? Right? If you've ever felt like that, this is the message for you today, okay? And I'm sure going into battle, there are times, especially your leadership, you're not really sure what to do. Could you imagine having the, the very lives of men and women at your uh, disposal, but also that were entrusted to you? And thinking, if I make this choice, this could be the end of some of these lives, but if I make this choice, it could be the end of other lives? Wow. That would be so hard to make a decision like that, wouldn't it? Okay. Well, each and every day we have choices to make as well, and some of them are life and death. Some of them are spiritual life and death to us as well, and we have to be perceptive of those things. And so today what I want you to see is that there are sometimes, all the time we want to go to the Lord first, but sometimes that we just need to step back and we need to let the Lord do the work. And we need to trust Him that He can do the work, okay? Instead of trying to do it ourselves. And I think you're going to see a great example today of a king who did that, and we're going to try to learn from his example of what it means to really let the Lord do the work. Again, I just want to read the end there, verse 12. And the king says, he says, Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Right? I don't know what to do, Jesus, but my eyes are on you today. And that's kind of the whole point of the message today. It was interesting this morning in Sunday school, I was talking with Andrew and I said, have you ever heard of Bach? You know, Beethoven and Bach? No. I said, how have we failed you, young man, that you've never even heard of Bach, right? I said, I'm sure you've heard of it in some cartoons or something like that. No, I'm sure I never have. So I pulled out the tune. Doo -doo 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 -doo. It's one of those creepy, scary, with like little kid cartoons ones. And immediately he's like, yeah, I know that. You like, you don't realize how that, his music has infiltrated all of our society and a lot of things that are Bach, we wouldn't even know that they're his. 
Well, what's interesting is this is what Bach said. He said, all music should have no other end and aim than the glory of God and the soul's refreshment. Isn't that interesting? Where this is not remembered, there is no real music, but only a devilish hubbub. He always headed his compositions, J.J., which is Jesus Juva and means Jesus help me. Isn't that interesting? He always ended them SDG. Anybody know what that is? Solo de gratia, which means to God alone be the glory or to God alone be the praise. That's a great way to live your life, isn't it, right? Jesus help me and God you get the glory. I want to tell you right now today, that's exactly where I feel right now. <laughs> Jesus help me. I don't know what I'm even doing here. My wife's probably thinking the same thing. But you help me and then Lord, you take the glory. All right? And that should be your life every day, shouldn't it? You're going into work. You're trying to figure out problems. You're trying to work with some people who aren't always the politest, the kindest, and they have different ambitions than you, different plans. Jesus, help me, and to God alone be the glory. Well, today what you're going to see is an example of this in the Scripture where a king does those two things. He decides to cry out for God to get God's help and wait and see what God does, and then God will receive all the glory. So this king's name is Jehoshaphat. If you would, go down to verse 1, and you're going to see where Jehoshaphat will seek the Lord. Jehoshaphat will make some mistakes later on, but here he's actually on the money. <coughs> Excuse me. After this, <coughs> the Moabites and the Ammonites, with some of the Munites, came to make war on Jehoshaphat. And some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you from Edom, from the other side of the sea. It is already in Hazazon Tamar, that is in Gedi. Verse 3, alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. The people of Judah came together to seek help from the Lord. Indeed, they came from every town in Judah to seek him. Now, Jehoshaphat had lived in relative peace for many years, but now armies were making their way, and of course, as anybody would be, he was afraid. And what he, A lot of times, kings would do pretty quickly in this time, and still in our time too, they would start seeking alliances, right? Anybody, any Survivor fans out there? That's how you win Survivor, right? You've got to get the right alliances, okay? Well, some strategies never change, Okay. And what you'll see the scriptures will condemn quite a few of the kings for is that they would actually try to go make their alliances before they would seek the Lord. And that's what I want to challenge you a little bit about today. Are you working on your backup plan before you're actually considering what the Lord's will is for the situation? All right? Sometimes the preacher does that too. Instead of going to the Lord first, saying, Lord, help me with this physical issue, or Lord, give me strength in this financial problem, or help me with this relationship issue. No, I'm going to figure it out in my head, right? This is what I'm going to do. This I'm going to make it work. I'm going to make it happen. And then if that doesn't go well, then I'm like, hmm, Lord, maybe could you help me out now? It's almost like I feel like I had to give it my best shot before I turned to the Lord. But did you see what Jehoshaphat did right away? Here in the scripture, it's pretty amazing that right away, he resolved to inquire of the Lord, and not only that, what else did he do? Now, he was king, so he could get away with this. But he all of a sudden put together a fast for all of Judah. He said, this is going to be a team effort. 
And as a nation, we are going to seek the mind of the Lord. Now, this is just some pen opinion here, but wouldn't it be pretty awesome if in our country a Christian leader would speak up and all the Christians in the country would take a time of fasting to see what the Lord would have us to do about a specific situation? And if the body of Christ would unite in that way, wouldn't that be amazing? Right? And so here, the leader has led his people and they've declared a fast so that they could get the mind of the Lord We have an urgent situation. We're not sure what to do about the problem. All we know is that we need the Lord's direction. And so all the people came together. They came to seek help from the Lord. They came from every town in Judah to seek him, which is interesting. Again, there's a group of people here that are following the Lord as well, right? He wasn't by himself. He wasn't alone. They had had come together. A couple things again this morning. Please seek the Lord first. What's stressing you out today? You don't have to tell me. Some of you, we, it's already, we already know. You shared your prayer request a little bit. Some things are on your heart, right? Seek the Lord first. Then start trying to develop what the plan would be. But first, lay it out before the Lord. Second thing today, and you've, many of you have already done this today, but I encourage you as well to share with others. We need to invite other people to pray with us, right? You want to talk about the spiritual battle? Michael's been doing such an awesome job. If you can come on Wednesday nights, you guys, you will love it. He's been dressing up in his uniforms, different uniforms so far the first two times. And I love his pictures that he does for us. And the idea of soldiers interlocking shields to battle is such a great picture to me. And if there's a soldier missing, then guess what? There's a hole in the line, right? And that can create a problem. And sometimes the reason we don't have soldiers interlocking shields is we just don't share our needs with each other. And maybe sometimes it's because we're a little bit ashamed or embarrassed or we just think our problem's too small or we're just a little bit nervous. I just want to encourage you, if you've got something, and you don't have to go in all the, the gory details of a certain situation, but if you've got something that's on your heart, say, hey, could you just pray with me today? I have something going on in my life and I really need the prayers of a brother or a sister to, to step together, put those shields together. And what you see here is this community of believers coming together to seek the Lord in a very scary time. They didn't know what was coming their way. They didn't know if this was going to be destruction or defeat. They didn't know what was coming. So let's look at the prayer of Jehoshaphat. Go on down, if you would, to verse 5. And so Jehoshaphat stood up in the assembly of Judah in Jerusalem at the temple of the Lord in the front of the new courtyard, and he said... O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not the God who is in heaven? You rule over all the kingdoms of the nations. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. O our God, did you not drive out the inhabitants of this land before your people Israel and give it forever to the descendants of Abraham, your friend? They have lived in it and have built in it a sanctuary for your name, saying, If calamity comes upon us, whether the sword of judgment or plague or famine, we will stand in your presence before this temple that bears your name and will cry out to you in our distress, and you will hear us and save save us. Look down at verse 10. But now here are men from Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whose territory you would not allow Israel to invade when they came from Egypt. So they turned away from them and didn't destroy them. And see how they are repaying us by coming to drive us out of the possession you gave us as an inheritance. 
O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power to face this vast army that is attacking us. We do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And all the men of Judah with their wives and children and their little ones stood there before the Lord. Is that a picture? The community has come together and the leaders are praying and seeking the Lord's face, right? And notice how he starts out. He begins to lay out who God's character is. Um, If you have a physical issue today, do you think that the Lord doesn't heal anymore and he doesn't have power over that? You realize the Lord put your cells together, the very atoms that make you up. He knows them. And if it's his will and he wants to, he can put them the way they need to be. Why would we not seek him first, right? Now, you've heard the scripture that speaks of a thousand, uh, cattle on a thousand hills. Have you ever wondered, like, I don't know where the money's going to come to take care of this need for my family this week? You think the Lord can provide that? Uh, he can create the earth in six days and rest on one. I think it won't be a problem for him to come up with resources if it's for his glory and for your joy. Right? And even Jehoshaphat here calls out the promises of the Lord, right? Lord, you promised this because this was for the glory of your name. Now, this is a little penology here, a little preacher thinking here. But if you study the scriptures, it's almost every time that someone invokes the glory of the Lord's name in their prayer that God then shows up and does something amazing. Because when it's truly about the Lord, then that's when the Lord seems to move and to work. When it's just about us and our wants and our desires, then not so much, okay? You, you guys think through that a little bit. Study the Lord's Prayer a little bit. Put that together. But all through the Scriptures, and here's another example of that. And so as he's praying, he lays this out. You can see, again, it's for the Lord's name. So he's reminded the people of the Lord, of his promises. Uh, he was reminded them it's about the Lord's name. Um, he is speaking so that the people around him, Jehoshaphat is, so that they would be encouraged and his prayers that God would judge the army that is about to attack them. And again, as we just saw in the very beginning, he says, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. And when we don't know what to do, we need to be seeking out the Lord first and foremost. And then you have this picture that I think is amazing. So all standing around, it's not just the men, but you have the men and their wives and the little kids who are all together, because they all together would be affected, right? They're all together seeking the Lord. You guys, one of the things I love about our church, and the Lord keeps adding people along, it's been really good to see that, but it's so amazing that um, we have a group of people that are close, and they're from six years old up to, you know, 76, (laughs) right? And that is a really neat picture. And here's that same picture. The men and their wives and the little children were standing around and they sought the Lord together. And I think the Lord saw the faith of all of these people. And so because of that, he is going to hear. Uh, Again, I would that this would continue to be a picture of our church, that we'd be desperate to hear from God and we'd be desperate for him to act on behalf of his name. 
for God to act on his name, then you usually need to think that prayers that are things that only God can do, right? If I can fix it and fix it myself, then why would that be a God thing, right? And sometimes we pray for just such a small, for God to just move just a little bitty thing, and we may need to open our prayers up so that we can really say the only way this could happen is that God could do it. And that's what's happening here. The only way that they're going to be able to survive this attack is for God to do it. Let's look how God answers. Go down to verse 14. Verse 14. <coughs> then the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaniah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levi, and a descendant of Asaph. And he stood in the assembly and he said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Isn't that good? Tomorrow, march down against them. They will be climbing up by the pass of Ziz, and you will find them at the end of the gorge in the desert of Jeruel. You will not have to fight this battle. Take up your position, stand firm, and see the deliverance the Lord will give you. O Judah and Jerusalem, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Go out to face them tomorrow, and the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem fell down in worship before the Lord. And then some Levites from Kothites and Korahites stood up and praised the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud voice. So God is answering back. All right? They've cried out to God. They've said, we don't know what to do. Our eyes are on you. We're seeking you. And even what they said before, whether it's good or bad, difficult days, we're going to stand in front of your temple for the glory of your name and ask you to act. Little kids to the oldest folks, they're there. And then the Lord fills this prophet with his spirit and says, you know what? This battle is mine. I'm going to take it over. You just act in faith and you'll see that God is going to move. The battle isn't yours. The battle is God's. So a few things of encouragement here. First thing he says is don't be afraid or discouraged by a huge army. Now that's kind of hard, isn't it, right? You don't know what I'm facing, right? If the Lord says, I got this, then we have to trust him. That's difficult. That's a daily prayer of surrender, isn't it, right? But when you hear the Lord's voice, and it may be through scripture, maybe through prayer, it may be through a friend that you're encouraging or counseling together, when the Lord speaks and encourages you that way, then trust the Lord for his encouragement. The second thing he says there is the battle is mine. And when the Lord says the battle is his, you better let go. Right? A lot of times the Lord says the battle is his and we still hang on, don't we? Well, I know you say that, Lord, but really I think I could do this. And that's what we have to do. Again, for me, one of the clearest examples in my life was when I was in Illinois there, I pastored there for about 13 years, early on in my ministry there. I was just trying this thing and that thing, and I just, you know, I was going to be the next Billy Graham, whatever. I was just, you know, all passionate, and stuff just wasn't going right. And I said, oh, no, you know. And a friend of mine, Winnie's uncle, actually, and I went to a Promise Keepers conference and came back. And when we came back that night, I went down to pray on the front pew of that church there, and God just completely crushed me. And he said, this church is not yours. I mean, that clear. This church is not yours. And I had to confess that out, Lord, this church is not mine. It's yours. And once I did that, we were okay. 
Some of you today have a battle that for a long time maybe you've been saying, this is my battle, this is my battle, and God maybe is trying to tell you, you know what? It's not your battle. It's mine. And you need to let me fight it. You're going to do what I ask you to do. You're going to step. doesn't mean you're going to be lazy. You're just going to hold back. But it means you're going to let me take control of it. And maybe today you need to say, Lord, I confess this is your battle. Just let me be the soldier you need me to be in it. All right? The Lord's speaking. Listen to him here this morning. All right. Another encouragement is just do what I say. Some of us are, uh, we love to lead and guide and direct and some of us just like, just tell me what to do, right? If you're the tell me what to do person, this is perfect, isn't it? And the Lord says that. Just do what I tell you. You don't need all the details. You don't need all how it's all going to work out. Just do what I say. It'll be all right. And I think sometimes that's really hard, but that's that little child's faith. They're like, sure, I'll do it. I trust you. And that's why we need to be with the Lord. Stand firm, be bold and confident. And if you will do these things, guess what? The scripture here speaks that God would be with his people, and he definitely was with his people. So let's go on and see what else continues to happen here. Jehoshaphat is so taken with God's answer that he falls on his face to the ground to give thanks and worship to the Lord. And then a really interesting thing happens right after that. The Kohathites and the Korites were the choir families that David had appointed a long time before. And what started happening with the choir families? Like there's families of priests, you know, that do specific things and they tend to sift certain things. And these two families were two of the main families of that formed the choir for the Israelites. Well, what we find out here is they start to sing. Do you hear what's going on? This is important. How do we usually approach music in worship? We usually think of it as the warm-up, Right? At least that's what I was taught when I was a kid a lot. I hear a lot of preachers say that. Yeah, let's, let's get them warmed up, and then you get that out of the way so we can get the real preaching and we can get the Word of God. You ever heard anything like that? Please don't tell me that if you have, okay? That's some things I heard a little bit, right? It was almost like music was just kind of there, but the real thing was preaching. And what I want you to see here today is that sometimes the music is a response to God's activity, and it's just as much worship as preaching is. All right? So these two families, with a loud voice, they start to sing out, and God begins to do something pretty amazing in their presence. Again, I think a lot of times we act as though music is trying to create some mood or some ambiance so we can get to the important stuff. But oftentimes in the Scriptures, music is a response to the very words of God. It is good practice for us to sing as a response to God's Word, not just in preparation for hearing it. Hmm. We don't think of it that way much, do we? Right? When God works on our behalf, we should be quick to sing and quick to worship. All right? Now, how do you celebrate when you see God do something wonderful in your life? Maybe you say amen. Maybe you give a little brief testimony, right? And I'm, again, encouraging today that it might be very appropriate for you to sing. And to sing out what God has done. Well, let's look at this next section. This is really unusual. When's the last time uh, the United States Army went into battle and they put the choir out in front? How do you think that's going to work? 
Now that's an interesting battle plan, isn't it, right? Well, let's look here together. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> Verse 20, early in the morning they left for the desert of Tekoa. <clears throat> As they set out, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen to me, Judah and people of Jerusalem. Have faith in the Lord your God, and you will be what? Upheld. Have faith in his prophets, you will be successful. After consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army, saying, Give thanks to the Lord, for his love endures forever. And as they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, who were invading Judah, and they were defeated. The men of Ammon and Moab rose up against the men from Mount Seir to destroy and annihilate them. And after they finished slaughtering the men from Seir, they helped to destroy one another. Now look at verse 24. When the men of Judah came to the place that overlooks the desert and looked toward the vast army, they saw only dead bodies lying on the ground. No one had escaped. So Jehoshaphat and his men went to carry off their plunder, and they found among them a great amount of equipment and clothing and also articles of value, more than they could take away. There was so much plunder, it took three days to collect it. On the fourth day, they assembled in the Valley of Baraka, where they praised the Lord. And that, this is why it is called the Valley of Baraka to this day. First thing here, I want you to see the people are obedient, right? It wasn't just talking a good game. They stood around the temple. They asked the Lord to speak. The Lord spoke. He said, go and, and go to the battle. Go to the battle. It will be my battle. And they step out in faith. I'm sure they were scared but they trusted the Lord. And Jehoshaphat, as a good leader, encourages his people to trust in the Lord and his troops to trust the Lord. And then he does one of the craziest things of all. He gets some men who make up the choir and he puts them out in front of the army. Now, I don't know. I'm curious. You know, like, do you think these men, they, like, did they have swords and bows and arrows and they were singing while they were walking? You know, I don't know what that looked like, right? But what were they doing? Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. That was their song. You can look in the Psalms, and there's one whole psalm, <clears throat> excuse me, that every refrain is his love endures forever. His love endures forever. I imagine that's what they were doing that day was, here's this line, his love endures forever. And so as they marched out to battle, they were singing and praising the Lord. And that's kind of an interesting plan, right? Well, what does God do on this day? I think as they began to sing, I believe that their singing triggered God's movement. It was evidence of their confidence in Him. Right? What is evidence of your confidence in God today? Some of you, it may just be that you're here today. You've got a lot of other stuff you could do, and maybe a lot of things going on, but the Lord has prompted you, I need to be here. And so you are, and you took a step of faith, and God may honor that. But this week, it could be other things, right? It could be a person in need. Uh, next Sunday, for some of us, it would be going downtown. And that sometimes can be a little scary, right? Meeting a complete stranger and someone who you don't know what all their motives are, and you're not sure exactly what you're going to do for them. That can be a little scary. But I think, again, sometimes that step out in faith is, Lord, I don't know exactly what's going on, but I know I'm trusting you and I'm showing love. And maybe we could sing next Sunday, give thanks to the Lord. 
His love endures forever, <laughs> right? And who knows, right? This week it could be a step of faith financially. Sometimes you're like, I don't know where this is going to come from, but I know that there's this need for maybe a neighbor or a friend or a coworker. The Lord's prompted me to help them out, so I'm going to help them out in faith. And then the trust of the Lord will meet my need in the other place, right? Again, you've got to find the Spirit's leading in those things, but the Lord honors those steps of faith, and he does here for his people and for Jehoshaphat. <clears throat> so what happens is they go out singing, then the Lord does one of those things like, almost like he did with Gideon. He stirs up the armies against themselves, and so they defeat Mount Seir first, and then they come upon each other so that when Jehoshaphat and his men and his choir, when they come down to the valley to see what's going on, what, what's there? It's over. Isn't that a great feeling? They're all stressed out, all scared, all worried, and the battle was the Lord's the whole time. And they got down to the bottom and they recognized God had honored his promises. <coughs> Excuse me. Again, the Lord blessed them because of their faith too, right? The plunder was so great, three days to collect it. And then they met together in the valley of blessing, they called it. And so what I would encourage you as well, when God acts on our behalf, we should be quick to celebrate and quick to praise. So let's wrap up this morning. Look down at verse 27, and we'll see their time of thanksgiving. A time of thanksgiving. Then led by Jehoshaphat, all the men of Judah and Jerusalem returned joyfully to Jerusalem. For the Lord had given them cause to rejoice over their enemies. They entered Jerusalem and went to the temple of the Lord with harps and lutes and trumpets. And the fear of God came upon all the kingdoms of the countries when they heard how the Lord had fought against the enemy of Israel. And the kingdom of Jehoshaphat was at peace, for his God had given him rest on every side. That's so awesome. So the people come back, and they are just, you know, exuberant with joy. They go to the temple with their harps and their lutes and their trumpets. Again, music here is a response to God's goodness, not just a prelude to his presence. And because of the greatness of God and the obedience of Judah, what would happen here is what should happen whenever we seek the Lord. Fear would come on all the surrounding kingdoms, and Jehoshaphat was at peace. Obedience has its reward. God's name will be hallowed. If you don't get anything else today, get that right there, okay? When we say, Lord, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are on you, and I'm going to follow your lead, God's name will be hallowed, and you'll be filled with joy. That is not penology. That is a biblical ethic right there, right? When you are willing to obey the Lord and you trust him in any situation, Lord, for your name, for your glory, I'll do what you ask me to do. When you're obedient in that, God's name is hallowed, is magnified, and then your heart is filled with joy. I'm not saying you have peace and smoothness and everything goes perfect. I'm saying that you will have this incredible joy in you when you see that what you are a part of magnify the Lord. That's how he set it up. That's how he made us. And here's that, another great example of that happening. A few quick thoughts. Sometimes God grants peace. Sometimes he delivers through war. And sometimes he takes us home through death. Did you catch that? Again, I don't want you hearing some sort of name it, claim it, or prosperity gospel today. Sometimes 
He grants peace. Sometimes he delivers through war, and sometimes he takes us home through death. But in every situation, we should praise him. Okay? And that is a heart of faith that can say amen in those things. All right? And that's what the scriptures remind us of. Again, music isn't just some nicety at the beginning of a church service. It truly is a weapon of choice in the hand or the throat of a believer. Guys, if you think it's too, it's not manly enough for you to sing in church, if I start looking, you see, a good thing when I, your preacher, when he plays the guitar and usually sings, I'm so into whatever I'm doing that I'm not paying attention to the rest of you because I really shouldn't be paying attention to what you're doing anyways, right? But if I ever see some of you guys out there and you're not singing, Lord help me that I don't come down or pull you out, right? Why shouldn't we sing, right? I mean, we will shout and stomp at all kinds of celebrations for all kinds of things. Why can't we sing? And maybe your voice is horrible. Who cares? One of my favorite uh, stories of it is a guy by the name of, his name is Neil, Neil Huffine. And Neil was, he was character. But Neil's heart was all about honoring God. That's, who, that's what his testimony was. And Neil would get up at the piano, and I'd play for him, and he would sing, What a Day That Will Be. And it was not pretty. <laughs> but I remember hearing my dad say that he would rather hear Neil sing, because he knew what was in Neil's heart, than any fancy singer sing if he didn't know their character in their personality because he knew that he was living what he was singing. Right? It's not about us. It's about magnifying that great name of the Lord. Sing from your heart. Sing to the Lord. Let it really be that thing that encourages you. Music is not an extra or an add-on. It shouldn't be treated as such. So next time you're scared that the enemy is about to win or you just don't know what to do, try singing some songs of praise to God. You'll be amazed at what will happen. Oh, it worked pretty well for a couple guys by the name of Paul and Silas, too. Remember that? Yeah, we won't go into their story tonight. It may just work for you. I want to conclude this one story from John Piper today. It's a really interesting story, and because of John Piper and his reputation, I really trust what he says here. And I want you to think about this and how even, again, sometimes with the, the singing of the Lord's Word, how God uses that as a weapon to diffuse situations. John Piper writes, he said, Four years ago, I was called late one night to an apartment where supposedly there was a demon-possessed woman. I called Tom Steller, and we went together while our wives prayed at home. What we found was a woman held in a room by some young Christian women who were intent on seeing the demon driven out of this woman. And for about two hours, I talked to her, and I read her scriptures, and I prayed prayers of deliverance. But she became increasingly violent, knocking the Bible out of my hand and grabbing the prayer sheets and shoving me. And at one point, about one in the morning, when the conflict rose to a fever pitch between the Word of God and the satanic force in this woman, someone in the group began to sing. It was one of our familiar worship songs, and we sang it again and again, and the Lord gave us new words for it each time. The effect on her was dramatic. She began to tremble and threaten us if we didn't stop. Then she threw herself on the floor and she screamed for Satan not to leave her and she went into convulsions and then went limp. When she came to, she remembered nothing of what happened 
and she was willing to read Scripture and pray. So Tom Steller and I know from experience that singing to God is not a nice little emotional trip to spice up a worship service. For us, it felt more like a matter of life and death. And that is what it was for Paul and Silas, and that's what it is for our church. (laughs) Right? You guys, I think we forget how much power is in the words of God. When we speak them or we sing them, we let God's power take effect. Today, one final reminder, we do not know what to do, but our eyes are upon you, right? Let that be your prayer this week, Lord, whatever the situation is. I don't know what to do. My eyes are upon you. When you find yourself in the battle and you're not sure what to do, seek the Lord and then praise him. And so the challenge is this week, how will you praise the Lord? All right. Let's stand this morning. As is our practice, I do want to give you just a little time to pray and to respond. And so I'm going to go to the piano and play just a little bit. But this morning, would you start where we just ended right there? And There's probably some area in your life today where you're just not sure exactly what you need to do. And what I would ask you to do is take the time today and offer up that prayer to the Lord. Lord, I don't know what to do about this situation. I don't know how you're going to lead, but... What I want you to know, Lord, is my eyes are on you. Help me to hear the voice of your Holy Spirit that I can do what's right. And then if you would today, pray for some friends around here today. I'm going to tell you, in this very room, there are many people that are going through the same thing. There are some things they don't know what to do. They're not sure how to handle it, how to approach it. But Lord, help us put our eyes upon you. And then as the Lord begins to answer in your life, then praise him. Praise him. And let that praise be the front of your battle. All right, let's take just a few moments here to pray together this morning.